If you've never seen a computer chat room before, it's kind of confusing. It's like a conversation between people who aren't really listening to each other. Plus, everyone can only type about 10 words at a time, so it gets pretty confusing. But you get used to making sense of it after a while. The six of us watched, fascinated, as the conversation went scrolling down the screen. A conversation about things we thought only we knew about. Yurt Killer 9. There's no way. Dovikes. You have to chop them up to be sure they're really. Chaz. Why don't we get serious here? The Yurks are. Govikes. Dead. Yurt Killer 9. Listen to me, I was infested by Yurk. It. Chaz. Only getting stronger. And instead of using this chat to plan. Yurk Hater. Kill all Yurks. Gump, 8293. I think my dad is one. What can I do? Chaz. Some action, we end up doing nothing. Yurt Killer 9. Was only by a miracle that I escaped. Gump, 8293. I mean it's weird because my dad actually seems better in some ways. But. Govikes. Yurks are like worms. If you just cut them in. CKD Sweet. Can anyone help me? There's this organization called. Govikes. Half they just grow again. Gump, 8293. He is too nice. He's got all these new friends suddenly and. Yurk hater. Kill all Yurks. CKD Sweet. The sharing, and I think they're all Yurks. I looked at Marco. He nodded. The sharing, he muttered. Interesting. See if anyone stomps on that. Sure enough, someone did. The supposedly enthusiastic Yurkater. Yurkater. The sharing is okay. I checked them out. Chaz. Wrong. The sharing is a Yurk front organization. Yurkater. No way. They're like Boy Scouts. Whoa, Rachel said. This Chaz guy seems fairly serious, Tobias offered. Yurkater may be a controller himself, I said. Or he may just be mistaken, Cassie pointed out. Gump, 8293. He's with them all the time. The other day I... Carlito. I've discovered that Yurks need to go someplace secret and... Gump, 8293. Heard my dad and his new friends whispering about... Carlito. Feed the replenish. Every three days. I think they... Gump, 8293. Someone called Visha or Vista or something. Carlito. Get out of their host body to do this. Megmom. Gump, I think it's Visser. I think a Visser is like a... Govikes. They're like snails, only without a shell. Megmom. General or something. I think Visser is a rank. Govikes. Rank. LOL. Totally rank. Govikes is your standard chatroom moron, Marco said. But Chaz and Meg and Carlito seem like they may know something. Gump is sad, Cussie said. Worried about his dad. Yeah, well, it's a sad world all around, Marco said harshly. I had known for a while that Marco's mother is a controller. In fact, she's Visser 1, a very high-ranking member of the Yurk hierarchy. But the others had only learned recently... And Marco was allergic to pity, 
so he has to act extra tough. Gomp 8293. Isn't there any way for me to get my dad to stop being? Your cater. Kill all yurks. Gomp 8293. Hey, yik. Your Talk to your dad. Tell him what you think. Chaz. No, Gump. Say nothing to your father. If you say anything, you'll be next. Megmom. Gump, listen to Chaz. He's right. You can't do. Fighty777. Hi, everyone. Megmom. Anything to save your father. All you can do is get hurt. Fighty777. I have a name to add to the list of known Yerks. Gump8293. I have to do something. Fighty777. Charles J. So4. He's the deputy police chief in. Your cater. Kill all Yerks. Chaz. Hello, Fighty. Megmom. Good. Fighty's here. Fighty777. The capital. I am close to getting the location. Go Vikes. Chop him up in little pieces. Fighty777. Of a Yurik feeding area. So, what do we think? I asked the group. Rachel sighed. Who can tell? Maybe some of these guys are for real. But maybe it's all a Yurik scam to lure people in. Like Gump, Cassie said. They may be trying to get his name and address so they can warn his father, the controller. I suspect a Yurik scam. Tobias said. I'd go that way too, Rachel said. Cassie shook her head. I'm not so sure. There's something real and genuine about some of these people. Not all. Your cater is probably a controller. But Gump is real. I'd bet on it. I learned to trust Cassie's instincts about people long ago. I get the same feeling, I said. Axe? Who can tell? This primitive means of communication makes it impossible to judge. Now that humans have the telephone, why do they still use this primitive system? Actually, the phone was invented first, I said. This is more modern. Axe laughed. Humans! You invent the book first, then the computer. Pewter! Telephone before computer. Very backward. Marco, what do you think? Marco tilted his head back and forth in a who-knows gesture. If I had to guess, I'd say a little of both. Maybe this webpage was created by Yurks to help them locate any humans who know about them. But at the same time, maybe it got a little out of their control. I mean, maybe Chaz, Carlito, Fighty, and Meg are all for real. I nodded. We need to try and figure out who these people are. Axe, can you hack in and penetrate the protected screen name files? I stood up and Axe sat stiffly in the chair. He placed his unfamiliar human fingers on the keys. What is Caps Lock? Forget Caps Lock. Yes, Prince Jake. I sighed. I'm not a prince, I said for probably the millionth time. Axe entered the computer software and began to write furiously. But after a few minutes, he was obviously frustrated. What? Marco mocked. A superior Andalite can't hack into the Web Axis America computer? Can you? Axe asked him. No. Ah. 
he went back to typing furiously. Then he pushed the keyboard away, almost angrily. The most basic systems are not usable. In other words, you can't do it? I said. No, this machine and the central computer are both too primitive. I tried to reconfigure the software, but it is not enough. He brightened. However, I fixed it so Marco now will be able to win any online computer game he plays. I already win every game, Marco lied. Your win and lose ratio is stored in the computer, Marco, Axe pointed out. You do not win every game. You win 42% of the time. Ratio. Horatio. Ratio. It would be nice to know if these guys are for real, Cassie said. We may have allies out there, and there may be people like Gump who we could help. I held out my hands. So, how do we get the real names behind the screen names? If we busted into the WAA's main office, Marco began. Invade Web Access America? Rachel said, grinning. Yeah, Marco said. Invade Web Access America. Bust into their main computers. Get the screen names. And while we're at it, turn off that stupid program that keeps offering you a Web Access America Visa card. Chapter 4 The Animorphs are like the world's greatest burglars. I mean, we don't steal stuff, of course. But when you can become any kind of animal, it's usually fairly easy to get into places. Just one problem. Web Access America was not in our town. The headquarters of Web Access America was a couple of hundred miles away, too far for us to get to. Even if we morphed into birds, we couldn't cover that much distance in the two-hour morph time. And if we stopped and demorphed and remorphed, we'd never make it there and back in a day. So we needed some other means of transportation. And that's why we were at the airport in the terminal that Saturday morning, watching through the floor-to-ceiling windows as flights took off. It's a one hour and thirty minute flight, Marco said. Plenty of time. Right. All we have to do is morph, fly aboard the plane, try not to get swatted, and demorph when we get there he said. We can take United or Northwestern. It was just me and Marco at the window. The others were spread around the terminal. We try not to congregate together. We don't want to look like a group. Yurk eyes are everywhere. They think we are a bunch of Andalites, not humans. But we have to be careful all the time. United or Northwest? Marco asked. I shrugged. Flip a coin. Who cares? The problem I have is with the idea of being a fly on a plane. Lots of people looking to swat. And if anything goes wrong, how do we demorph on a plane? You want to cancel out? I thought about it for a minute. Out on the runway, a 747 was rumbling down the tarmac, picking up speed for takeoff. Nah, I guess it'll be okay. It's a risk, but it's worth it. Marco smiled. An actual, non-mocking smile, which is rare for him. I remember back when you didn't want to have to make all the big decisions. I still don't want to make them, I said. But someone has to, right? Yep, he nodded. I just want to get back to a life someday where I don't have to make decisions that might get people killed. Do you? 
Now Marco's smile was definitely of the mocking variety. You really think someday we can all go back to being regular kids? You think after being the leader of the Animorphs, you can go back to being Joe Average Student? Yes, I do, I said forcefully. I meant it. Uh-huh, Marco said dryly. Come on, let's round up the others. He squinted to see the board announcing flight departures. Let's catch the United flight. It leaves soonest. We have 15 minutes. Gate 19. Is there a movie on the flight? I asked, trying to catch Marco's casual tone. On a one hour and 30 minute flight? More like an in-flight cartoon. We found the others, drifting from Cassie and Rachel to Tobias and Axe. We explained the plan. It was Tobias who asked the question I had overlooked. How are we going to find Gate 19 when we're in Flymorph? How good are fly eyes? Tobias had never morphed a fly before. He'd just acquired the DNA earlier this morning. Pretty bad, actually, I admitted. Compound eyes. The sense of smell is good, though, Marco said. I mean, flies can sense poop or garbage from a long way off. I looked at Marco. He looked at me. Oh, please, Marco said. Where would we find it? And what would we do with it? Hand it to the flight attendant at the gate? Tell him, hang on to this for us. We'll be right back as flies. A plane was disgorging passengers from a nearby gate. The people all looked tired and annoyed. Some smiled for the relatives and friends who were picking them up. But I guess it must have been a long flight, because some of the people had pressure marks on the sides of their faces. You know, like they'd been sleeping with their heads leaned against the windows of the plane. There was a mother and father with their baby. The baby was squalling and squirming in its mother's arms. They stopped just a few feet away. He needs to be changed, the mother said. Whose turn is it? The father asked. The mother handed the baby to him, and he groaned. Please let it just be number one. I don't think so, the mother said. I think you're getting a full load. I turned to Marco, Tobias, and Axe. Okay, we need a volunteer for a very hazardous and disgusting mission. Someone has to get that diaper. It turned out the volunteer was me. Axe couldn't even understand the basic concept, which left three of us. We did rock, paper, scissors. Whoever didn't match the others was the volunteer. Tobias and Marco took paper. I did rock. I swear, somehow or other, they cheated. Two minutes later, I had an absolutely vile Huggies wrapped in a couple of paper towels. I don't suppose you want this, I said, offering it to Marco. What is it? Axe wondered. A diaper, I said. Baby poop. Diaper gravy, Marco said. We're going to use the diaper gravy to guide our flight as flies. I don't understand. I sighed. This would be one of those things I really don't want to explain, Axe, I said. I carried the diaper toward gate 19. I stuffed it into a large standing ashtray and returned to the others. That should do it. Let's get back with Cassie and Rachel. See, now this is why we aren't Batman or Spider-Man, Marco complained. Spider-Man never had to follow the trail of baby poop. Who is this Spider-Man? Axe asked. Chapter 5
We went to the men's room to morph. Cassie and Rachel went to the ladies' room. I guess there are times when we Animorphs just can't work as a team. We could all fit together in the handicap stall, Mark was suggested. You're not supposed to do that, I said. Let's just each get our own stall. But that was easier said than done. There were a lot of flights coming and going. The men's room was busy. The best we could do was get two stalls. Oh, this doesn't look too weird, Tobias muttered as he and I entered a stall together. Wait a few seconds. Things will be quite a bit weirder, I told him. We closed and latched the door. We stripped off our outer clothing and shoes and stuffed it all into our backpack we'd brought along. We set the bag behind the toilet. You can't morph street clothes or shoes. Just something form-fitting, like the bike shorts and t-shirt I was wearing. If we were lucky, we'd get our clothes back later at the Lost and Found. If not, well, we lose a lot of clothing. Fly morph, huh? Tobias whispered. Yup. Is it as gross as I think it will be? No. It's much, much grosser. Tobias made a face. Then he started morphing. But not into a fly. See, when you morph, you can only do it from your natural shape. Strange as it may seem, Tobias's natural shape is now that of a red-tailed hawk. So as I waited nervously, Tobias grew feathers and wings and talons and a beak. And in the next stall, Axe grew a scorpion tail, two stalk eyes, and four hooved legs. Ready? I whispered to Marco. Yeah, let's do it. It's crowded in here. I looked at Tobias. Funny how even I was used to the idea that the real Tobias was the Tobias with the fierce golden brown eyes and the beak designed to tear apart flesh. Ready? Yeah, I'm as ready as I'll ever be. You might like it, I said. You should see how well flies fly. I fly better than anything else with wings already, he said. Okay, let's get this over with. I closed my eyes and began to focus on the flymorph. The truth is, it made me feel better to have Tobias nervous. It distracted me from the fact that morphing a fly made me sick. There may be something more disgusting than a fly, but I sure haven't become it yet. The first change was that I began to shrink. The steel walls of the bathroom stall seemed to rise up and up and up. They grew to be the size of skyscrapers. Graffiti that had been in inch-high letters was now big enough to fill a billboard. When I looked down, I got a real scare. It looked exactly as if I were falling into the toilet bowl. That toilet bowl got bigger and bigger and seemed to be sprouting up from the floor like it was a big mouth trying to swallow me whole. I saw the toilet paper dispenser go zipping by. One minute it was below waist level. The next minute it took off, straight up. It was an odd thing to see. The linoleum squares grew vast. The scraps of tissue on the floor became bedsheets. A piece of chewed gum became a big pink boulder. But shrinking was the easy part. The other changes were infinitely worse. For one thing, there's the fact that your nose and mouth sort of melt together and grow into this insanely long, hairy, sticky, spit-dribbling thing the books call mouth parts. Ah! Jeez! Tobias yelled in thought speak. His own beak had just sprouted into the long, spring-loaded, utterly nasty-looking mouth parts. It was not a pretty thing to watch. Sprout? 
two big legs sort of burst out of my chest. You know how in the movie Alien, the alien baby exploded out of the guy's chest? It was a little like that. Only instead of some fake-looking puppet, these were two long, black-jointed legs, each bristling with dagger-like hairs. Morphing is never totally logical. It isn't a smooth transition. It's not like each part of you gets gradually more fly-like. Things happen suddenly, and in unexpected sequences. I was still about a foot tall when the legs pushed out through my ribs. I still had human eyes and a mostly human body, aside from the monstrous mouthparts. Hey, anyone in there? I heard the voice, and I heard the way the door stall rattled. But I couldn't answer. I didn't have a mouth. Someone's trying to get in, Tobias said. I know. What do we do? Keep morphing. It's too late to back out now. Hey, is anyone in there? I gotta go bad. My hands had become the appendages of a fly. There were two hooked talon-like claws and small hairy pads that oozed a kind of glue. I could hear my internal organs going soft and squishy as entire things like a liver and spleen and kidneys were reformed to make the infinitely more primitive guts of a fly. My bones were weakening so that my still mostly human legs were getting wobbly, turning to overcooked spaghetti. At this point, I was about the size of a small dog. I had fly legs but no wings. I had human eyes and massive fly-mouthed parts. Tobias was a similar mess. And that's when the guy who had to go bad reached over the stall door and undid the lock. The door opened. There wasn't anything I could do. Oh! Whoa! Oh, whoa, 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 no, no! Ah! The man stood there and stared. I waved one dagger-haired clawed leg at him. Ah! Help! Help, help, help! The door slammed shut again. Quick, we better be flies before he brings help. Help me! Police! Someone! I continued shrinking, and now I noticed my gossamer fly wings coming in attached to big, spring-like muscles in my back. There are monsters in the toilets! What's going on over there? Marco demanded from the next stall over. We're busted, I said. Make it quick. My human eyes dimmed, then went dark. Seconds passed in total blindness as my compound fly eyes grew. Then, all at once, I saw a world of shattered images like a thousand tiny television sets, all tuned to a slightly different picture. By the way, Tobias, watch out for the fly instincts, I warned. In my weird field of vision, I saw something black and blurry go zipping by. Another fly. Tobias? Tobias, is that you flying? Rumble, 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 rumble! Thunderous, pounding vibrations distracted me. Many heavy feet were running toward me. Wham! The door of the stall opened. I felt the wind whoosh past overhead. It excited the hairs on my back. My antennae quivered madly. Danger! I pushed off with my six legs, turned on my fly wings, and blasted up off the dirty linoleum. We're airborne over here, Marco reported. They were here, I'm telling you! Monsters! Like... Like weird, mutated things. Sir, just how many drinks did you have on your flight? Tobias, 
I called. Are you okay? Tobias! There was no answer. I zoomed crazily around, zipping past the Statue of Liberty-sized humans. My senses were picking up about a hundred interesting smells. Rot, sweat, filth, garbage. All of which were fascinating to my fly brain. But I still did not see Tobias. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. And boy, uh, what a, what a chapter to edit, uh, chapter three, whichever one was the first one. <laughs> this took me much longer than I thought it would, because I had a cool idea, and, uh, it involved more work. But I hope that I accurately portrayed a chat room in an audio format and that it worked for everyone because uh, I thought it was pretty cool and I put a lot of work into it. Uh, I got a question this week uh, sent into my Tumblr. That is audiomorphs.tumblr.com if you want to send in anything as well. Uh, and it is an anonymous ask that says, Have you ever considered making the episodes longer? Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. And, uh, so now we get to talk a little bit about how, how I am as a person and, uh, how I do this podcast. So, I am a, I'm the type of person who starts many projects and then I sort of lose momentum and then I kind of forget about it and lose interest and then it feels like I've been away for so long that I don't want to pick it back up. And so, for me, holding to a weekly schedule on this podcast, because, you know, I could just uh, wait till I finish a book and then release it all at once per episode, right? Um, but I found that kind of holding myself accountable by having a weekly release schedule and then, like, forcing myself to post every week instead of just, you know, setting an internal goal uh, helps keep me on track and helps me keep a momentum up, which is how I keep making episodes. And, uh, I, I have given thought to the length of this episode, and, uh, ideally I try to shoot for about 20 minutes currently, sometimes I'm a little over, sometimes I'm a little under. Um, it'd be cool to do a 30 minute one, you know, an hour one. Uh, I feel like those are the two kind of standard lengths for a podcast. Um, but it's just a matter of, you know, balancing how much time I want to put into this per week and, you know, other stuff I have going on. So with the kind of about three chapters, about 20 minutes per episode length I've been working with, I have um, a really kind of comfortable gap where if something comes up or I'm just in a bad mood one night, I can sort of still work around that and still get an episode released on time. So um, that's the main reason why episodes are the length they are and... Uh, while it would be really cool to, you know, release longer ones, it would also mean this whole project ends sooner, which, I don't know, I like having this in my life as a structure. And also, uh, there's just a higher chance that, for whatever reason, I don't get done on time. And, you know, you miss a week, it's not a big deal, but that turns into two weeks, then three weeks, and then, you know, I've stopped making these. So, I don't want that to happen, and while I think the ideal length per episode would be longer. This is what I'm capable of doing. So that was really long and probably much more in-depth than this person uh, wanted to. Short answer is, yes, I have considered it, but no, it's probably not happening. 
Um, anyway, I've taken up enough of your time, so I'm going to get out of here. Check out theapocalypse.com. That's like Apocalypse but with a D in the middle. That's my website. Uh, leave me a rating review on Apple Podcasts if you want to. Please and thank you, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>